We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So this morning, guys, we have an extra special treat. One of my best friends, one of my closest friends, Pastor Jeremy Krause, is in the house. Tell you a little bit about Pastor Jeremy. He was, uh, he, he served on staff at a church and pastored there and then God placed it on his heart to start an organization called Thrive. And what Thrive does is they, they, they have homes in Thailand and uh, there's some new homes opening up some someplace close and someplace soon, sometime soon, that he's going to share with you this morning. But uh, they create these homes to rescue children who've been caught up in child trafficking. And so there's been hundreds of kids that have been rescued, and he adopted one of the children, and, and just has is, is got this incredible mission and this vision to end human trafficking. And it's an epidemic, and it's, it's at pandemic level all over the world. And he decided to dedicate his life to that, packed up his bags, moved to Thailand, and started serving there for years. And now he gets to be stateside, recently got married. Congratulations. We told him next time he can't come back unless he brings his wife. We believe in traveling with your spouse around here, Pastor Jeremy. So he's going to bring him, bring her with her, with him. And um, so I'm going to ask Pastor Jeremy to go ahead and come up on stage. Everybody give him just an ovation of gratitude for being here. Hey, man, can I pray for you before you preach this morning? Yes, yes, please. God, we thank you so much for this mighty man of God here, God, who's dedicated his life to serving you and serving your people. God, I pray that you would deliver the message uh, through him today. God, I pray that it may not be Pastor Jeremy that we see up front, but it may be your voice that we hear and your glory that is seen. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. I didn't know that you played piano too. You, did you play last time I was here? And I just have like a bad memory. Wow. No, that's great. I'm going to be 43 in June. Yeah. No, it's good because I know I look like 30. So we're good. And I'm a little immature, so that even helps. And uh, you said, uh, who was it that said, the quote of the scripture, God owns the cattle on a thousand hill, thousand hills. Yeah. So when you said that, it just kind of hit me that this is kind of how God has to do things sometimes so that we will understand, right? So that is a scripture in the Bible. It says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And that seems like crazy, like a thousand hills, right? Like how many cows are there in a thousand hills out here? I don't know, but it's probably a lot. But then you've got to think of the reality. God was just kind of dumbing it down for us to understand, because he owns every hill in the world, right? How many hills are there in the world? And how many cattle are there in the world? And, and so I just want to, I kind of want to mention that because I believe that it kind of opens our minds to realize how amazing and how big God is and how sometimes in our struggle and in our challenges in life, we, uh, God has to just give us little bits that we can chew on for a while before he says, okay, and by the way, here's the universe. 
you know, here's, I'm going to give you the nations, right? I own the cattle on a thousand hills, but I'm going to give you the nations. Well, he can't give you the nations unless he owns the nations, right? He made the nations, right? Amen. And so this morning, I just want to share a few stories with you. In particular, I want to share a, a, a really cool time that I had when uh, I went to Nepal. Now, does everybody remember the, the earthquake that happened a while back in Nepal? I think it was about five or six years ago now. And um, it was like a massive earthquake. It was like 7, 7.0 or 7.2. And I have a friend who works for a, a big nonprofit organization. And every time there's a disaster, they send him to the disaster. So when Chile had the, the volcano explode, he was there. And then as soon as uh, the earthquake Went, you know, demolished Nepal, they sent him there. And so he called me one day and he said, hey, Jeremy, uh, I want you to come visit. I have a couple other friends. I want you to come to Nepal and visit us. And uh, I have a surprise for you. And I was like, okay, cool. I'd never been to Nepal before. I thought this will be great. And, and so, uh, so I got on a plane and went over to Nepal and met, uh, met a couple other friends over there. And, and our friend picked us up. We got out of the airport. There's monkeys like running all around it's really cool because they're all over the city out there and he picked us up in this little like mini like extra mini minivan I thought we were going like into the city but he drove us around to the other side of the airport and he said hey leave your your luggage here just grab a change of clothes in your backpack and bring that with you so we're like okay so we left our bags there grab our backpacks and um, and we followed him and he went around this corner and when we went around the corner there was helicopters there and um and so I was like, oh, this is cool, man. I hope we're riding in a helicopter. Well, sure enough, he says, get in the helicopter. But he doesn't tell us where we're going. And so I'm like, I, I, I just thought this is cool. I love having adventures. I, I should clarify that. I like having planned adventures because unplanned adventures, I, I, don't, I, and I don't handle too well. But, but this, was, this was really fun. So we get in this helicopter. We begin to fly over Nepal, right, and, and over Kathmandu. And you can see just the... the devastating effects of this earthquake. I mean, uh, buildings were knocked over and just those tent cities out there and the Red Crosses there and all this crazy stuff is going on. And, and um, we begin to fly uh, into the Himalayas where Mount Everest is. And so we're going, we're, we're flying closer to the epicenter of the earthquake where it actually happened. And the closer we get the more, like, destruction we see. We see, like, there's all these villages that are on the sides of mountains that are just completely wiped away. Some are under landslides, and some are, are just rubble. And so we get, after about an hour, hour and a half, we get to this, this one particular mountain, and, and uh, the helicopter pilot, you know, flies up, and then he comes back down, and he goes up, and he comes back down, and finally he lands. Now, let me just give you... Before I go forward, let me just give you a little background. At the last couple of years before this, I just had sold everything I had. I moved to Thailand to open up Thrive Rescue Home. And uh, we take in children like under 13 that have been sexually trafficked and abused. And so uh, Thailand is at sea level, right? And, um, and I'm not a big fan of exercise, although I do exercise now. I, I'm a big fan of like cheeseburgers, bacon, um, Ice cream, um, Hagen Dazs, Ben and Jerry's. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I try to limit myself when I try to exercise. But at this time, I was not exercising at all. I was living in Thailand. It's hot. It's humid. 
I didn't really, really want to move that much. I just wanted to stay in the air conditioning so I wouldn't like wither away. And I just believe that my weight is a testament of my faith. And so, and so, you know, because most, most missionaries are really skinny and they're just like, oh, barely make it. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And so, uh, and so, anyways, we, we get to this mountain, we land, and so we unload, and it's just really cool. You see all these villages coming, coming down, and um, they want to check out these, the, like, white people and, um, and, and Mexican people, and, and I don't think we had any black people with us, but it's okay. And <laughs> black people don't like cold, right? What are you doing in Michigan? Dude. Y'all need to move to California. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I really like it here, actually. It's really beautiful. So we, we, he lands. We get out. And these villages, these precious people are coming out. And they're just kind of checking us out. And, and, um, and so the helicopter pilot gets back in. And he takes off. And as he's taking off, as he, like, lifts off and he's flying away, my friend leans over. And he's like, dude, he couldn't find the landing pad on top of the mountain. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And he goes, so we're going to have to trek to the top. And I was like, oh, okay, um, how far is it? And so he's like, it's about 5,000 feet. We're at 4,000 right now. So it's about 5,000 feet to the top. So I'm thinking, okay, a mile is 5,280 feet roughly, right? So I'm like, okay, a mile up, we can do that. No big deal, a mile. I could walk a mile. I could maybe jog a mile or most of it. We're good. But I hadn't worked out in like years. And we're at 4,000 feet. And it wasn't just 5,000 feet straight. It was like, it was 5,000 feet straight up, but we didn't go straight up. We were doing this. So we probably walked about five or six miles. And so uh, we began to walk. And immediately I realized that I couldn't breathe because there was no air up there. And so as we were going, we start off in a group, and then all of a sudden, my friends who were more fit than I began to disappear into the distance because they were doing really well, and I wasn't doing that great. And I had this, a couple of teenage Sherpa guys with me, and they were carrying my backpack like it was really heavy. It wasn't that heavy, but I just couldn't carry it because it was so hard to breathe up there. And so if, if, uh, if, if you know me, uh, you know, I always want to motivate people. I want to build people up. I want to strengthen and encourage people in the Lord. And, and I always uh, want to tell people, you know, you can do the impossible. And, and so I'm always putting this stuff out on Instagram and on social media and, and when I speak. And, and so I'm thinking in my head, like, Jeremy, you should just camp out right where you're at and wait for your friends to come back down tomorrow because that would be perfect. But... My heart is like, you can't do that because you're always encouraging people to push themselves past the challenges in life and overcome so that they can help others do the same thing. And so I'm like, if I camp out here, I can't really post this stuff anymore because I'm not really doing what I'm talking about. So literally, I mean, from here to that door, I would tell these guys, okay, you know, if I see a tree or there'd be a rock or something, I'd say, we're going to go there and then we're going to rest and it was all that I had within me to walk from here to there, which would probably take about, five, like I don't know, three minutes in reality or two minutes maybe because it was so hard. And then I would get there and I would sit for like five minutes and just rest. 
And these guys are getting bored. They're teenagers. They're like ready to run up and down the mountain. And as we're going, as we're going, um, I see old ladies like, like 80s, right, with big baskets like backpacks, but they're baskets on their back filled with stuff. And they're coming down, which I'm like, that's easy going down. But then all of a sudden they started lapping me and going back up again. And I'm like, what the heck? So I stopped one of them and I'm like, like, how many times do you do this a day? I mean, it was several ladies that were doing it. And they're like, I don't know, four or five times a day with full, like, packs. And I'm just like, this is incredible. Like, I am, at the time I was in my 30s, and I'm like, I can't, I'm barely coping. I'm barely making it. And so I, I, I'm going to stop right here and just tell you this, that some mountains, we always hear people say, you know, I don't know about you, but growing up, I always heard this. You've got to speak to that mountain. Has anybody ever heard that before in church? you got to speak to that mountain. Don't let that mountain speak to you. You've got to speak to that mountain tell it where to go. And, and so I always grew up uh, 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 hearing that. But uh, after I had this experience, the Lord really spoke something to me. He, he really he said, he spoke to my heart and he said, some mountains you need to speak to, but some mountains you need to climb. And, and I think the challenge that we have today that, that a lot of us are facing is there's mountains that we're speaking to that we're supposed to be climbing. And so we get frustrated when they don't move. And there's mountains that we're supposed to speak to that we are, no wait, there's mountains that we're climbing that we should be speaking to and there's mountains that we should be climbing that we should be speaking to. Does that make sense? I almost mixed, mixed myself up there. And so, uh, and so that can create frustration in our lives when that happens. And so, uh, anyways, we're going, and, and I'm telling you, it was like the hardest thing I, I've ever done in my life. Just, and I have, I've had asthma since I was a kid, so I was like freaking out because it's hard to breathe, but I'm not having an asthma. Does anybody have an asthma in here? <laughs> Everybody's like, we do. <laughs> And because I'm not having an asthma attack, but I can't get enough air. So anyways, we get up to this resting spot and, and um, uh, this kind of like plateau. And I'm like, oh, thank God we're here. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're like halfway there. And uh, my friends are waiting for me. And as soon as I get there, they take off. And I'm like, great. There's this lady with a, a five-gallon bucket full of eggs, hard-boiled eggs. And I'm like ferociously hungry. Like, I wanted to eat the whole bucket, but I, I just bought, like, I think five or six off her or something like that. And, um, and uh, she was really happy, you know, because she got to make some money there. And so I got these eggs, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. Thank you, Jesus. And she comes. How many have, have that, like, Himalayan salt in their house? Like, it's pink, right? Well, this is before it was popular, but she came over to me with a little baggie full of pink salt that she had mined herself on the mountain, and so it was like the best salted hard-boiled egg I've ever had in my life. We got finished, and we continued hiking up, and I saw, I saw some donkeys on the side of the road, and I looked at my Sherpa guys, and I'm like, Are, like, what's wrong with you guys? Because there's donkeys right there, and we could have been riding up instead of hiking up. They're like, no, those, you can't ride those things, and I'm like, you want to bet? And they're like, go ahead. So I would get, every time I get maybe like from here to the piano, 
the donkey would take a couple steps forward. And after I did that twice, I was like, I'm not wasting my time, energy, or breath trying to get on this donkey. So we continue to walk up. And right as the sun was setting, we got to the top. And when we got to the top, there was these tents everywhere. You could, there was probably about 500, maybe 1,000 people up there. And, and there was just tents everywhere. And we had walked through their, their little village, their town, and they don't use rebar because it's too expensive and it's too hard to get to the mountain. So everything that was cement and everything that was rock and, and block and everything that was built was just gone, was just demolished. So we get up to the top of the hill, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I've made it. I went to my tent met my friends, they all clapped because I made it. <laughs> we met with some of the elders there. We talked about, you know, human trafficking and what to look out for. We, we uh, got ready for the meeting the next day, and I literally just passed out. I was so tired. I, I, I think I burned probably like 3,000 calories on that hike, most likely. I don't know for sure, but passed out. Woke up the next morning about 5 o'clock with a splitting headache. And I was like, what's going on? And my friends, I told my friend, man, do you got any aspirin? He said, why? And I said, I have a headache. He said, oh, that's, that's because of the altitude. You don't, you're not getting enough oxygen. I'm like, well, then let's not be here. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then God was like, well, there's people up here that I love. And I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> so I took the aspirin and everything. And so it was before the sun came up. It was, it was kind of light outside, but the, but the sun hadn't, like, popped up anywhere yet. And and so I walk out, and you can smell the fires, and everybody, they're getting ready to cook breakfast. And it was just a, a, an amazing experience and, and sight to see. And so as I'm kind of walking around, just kind of taking everything in, uh, I, I'm just looking at these mountains, and I'm just praying, and I'm just saying, God, this is so amazing. Thank you so much for allowing me to have this opportunity. As I'm praying, all these mountains have snow on them, like there's snow covered on the top. And so as I'm praying and just thanking God, the sun just peeks up over this mountain and hits all the mountains with snow on it, and it looks like the mountains are like silver. It was the most beautiful, most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was just so thankful that God had allowed me to have that experience. And it, it kind of reminded me of a lot of challenges we have in our lives that, like I said earlier, sometimes we're supposed to speak to mountains that we're supposed to be climbing, and sometimes we're supposed to be climbing mountains that we're supposed to be speaking to. And um, I just want to give you a couple examples here. I think Pastor Muda said, what, I had like three hours today, is it? Okay. And uh, we're ordering pizza, so just get comfortable. And... <laughs> Mountains are mentioned at least 58 times in the Bible. Psalms 125.2 says this, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Well, if the Lord is surrounding us like a mountain... What, why are we trying to speak to the mountain and tell it to go away? No, sometimes mountains protect us. And so uh, I just want to give you a couple of examples because as I started kind of studying this and, and seeing these examples, I was like, wow, we definitely are not supposed to tell every mountain to go jump in the sea. Definitely we're supposed to tell some of them. We're supposed to speak to some of them. But there's some that we're supposed to climb. There's some that are there to challenge us to make us stronger so that we can encourage others, strengthen others, and so that we can just get to the other side and get the victory in life. Amen? So many things happen on mountains. Jesus prayed in the mountains all the time. He picked the apostles on a mountain that he had been praying on the night before. Uh, Mount Ararat, where Noah's Ark came to rest after the flood. 
uh, Mount Carmel where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. Remember that? That was amazing. He had a, an amazing victory. He had an amazing challenge, but he had an amazing victory on a mountain. A thousand prophets of Baal. Remember that? And Remember the story? And, and he's like, well, whoever's God burns his sacrifice wins. And, and they were like cutting themselves and yelling and chanting and for hours and nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn. And so he asked for water and said, pour water all over everything. And, okay, get more water and build a moat around this thing. And then he said, God, if you're God, you know, burn the sacrifice. And boom, the sacrifice caught on fire. And then he ended up killing a thousand prophets. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And it all happened on a mountain. He got victory on the mountain. There's Mount uh, Gilboa where, uh, where Saul and his sons were killed by the Philistines. Um, there's Mount Hor where the place, that's the place where Aaron died. Uh, I'm going over these really fast. Uh, there's Mount Nebo. Moses died and was buried there by God. I think that's the only funeral that God actually did. <laughs> right? Weird. Food for thought. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if, if God's going to be at your funeral, you know you're going to have a good one, right? <laughs> like, like goes, hey, I'm back. <laughs> Stop it, God. You're, oh, no. <laughs> Mount Zion eventually became known as Jerusalem. But I don't want to uh, leave you without giving you some, some, some food for thought here. Opportunity is not always destiny. Check your opportunities with your destiny, not the other way around. A lot of times as Christians, we, there's a mountain here, there's a mountain there, so we're like, okay, okay, I'm going to go this way. But if, if your destiny is on the other side of the mountain, then that's something that you need to climb to get to and have an encounter with God on top of the mountain before you reach your destiny. Because once you reach your destiny, God's got another challenge for you because faith just grows. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So once you get to the top of the mountain, you've used your faith to get to the top of the mountain. Or maybe you used your faith to speak to that mountain and it's moved now. God's going to call you to something bigger. So, and it's going to be impossible. You know, when God called, uh, called me to go to Thailand, I did not want to go. I am not a missionary. I tell people, even though I... My second mission trip was moving to Thailand for seven and a half years. But I wouldn't trade it for the world because every time I see those kids smile, I'm like, I would do it all over again. I would do it all over again. Let me give you a couple of things. I'm going to tell you one quick story about one of our kids. So I remember when we first started, uh, actually about two years into it, the police had a meeting with me. They said, hey, we want to talk to you. And they said... Um, and I said, okay, I, th- I thought we were like friends. And they said, well, we are friends, but we just want to talk to you. And I said, okay. They said, we've been watching you for two years. And I said, all right. And they said, but we wanted to make sure that, and they hadn't given us any kids at this point. They said, we wanted to make sure that you really love the kids and that you weren't just making money off them um, and that you were really taking good care of them. And, and they said, now that we've been watching you for two years, we, we can tell you honestly that you guys have one of the best homes in Thailand, if not the best homes in Thailand for what you do. And they said, from now on, we're going to bring all the kids that we have that meet the criteria, we're going to bring them all to you. And so we went, that year, we went from one home to two homes, and the next year we added a third home. And, uh, and we have kids waiting at the government shelter right now to come into our homes. 
So we really need to open up a, another home. But I remember they called us this one time. They said, they said, hey, we need you to come to the hospital. We need you guys to be there 24 hours with this girl. Um, somebody, a neighbor brought her in, and she was two years old. And many of you that have two-year-olds can, this will kind of hit you hard, but I said, she's two years old. We need you to sit with her 24 hours a day. So what we did was we had our staff members go to the hospital and take shifts with her. When we got there, she had a broken elbow. She had chunks of hair missing out of her head. She had burn marks all over her body, and somebody had tried to rape her. And uh, it was crazy. And and they were going to have to do reconstructive surgery on her. The doctor came with a with a surgeon and, and, and gave her an evaluation and they said, yeah, we're going to have to do reconstructive surgery on her. And, and, um, and so we began to pray and say, God, she has been through enough, but we just believe you, you're going to heal her. And so the next day they came and, and, um, and they said, uh, they, they gave her an evaluation again. They checked her out and everything. And they said, these are two Buddhist doctors. They're like, we don't know what's happening, but this is so amazing. She's healing so fast that we don't need to do surgery. And we were like, praise God. We brought her home, and it took about two weeks. Normally, I'm the first guy that, or I used to be the first guy that our girls would see. And and it would take them about a week to, like, realize that I wasn't going to hurt them, that they could trust me. And so anytime I go to the homes, the kids run up, and they say, Sawadee Kap, Pa Jeremy, and they give me a big hug. You know, kids give you a hug around the waist. And and so um, anytime I go, and then when I leave, they do the same thing. And so I noticed this two-year-old, she was kind of, she didn't do anything after a week. And I was like, okay, that's usually the, the mark where most girls are like, okay, it's safe. A week and a half went by, nothing. Two weeks went by, and I was there, and I was leaving. I said, all right, you guys, I'm leaving. Somebody cop. And, um, and I saw her out of the corner of my eye, and she was watching. And all the kids ran over and gave me a hug. And then they, they took off. And as soon as they left, she'd been playing with one of our dollhouses, and she had a little tear on. She ran over to me, and she gave me a hug. And I said, somebody get a picture of this. And I'm not, I can't show you the picture today. I might, I might show a couple of you back, uh, back at the table there. But um, uh, that was the first time that she was able to realize that she was safe. And it's amazing what God does in these kids' lives. God is opening up all kinds of doors right now. He, I came back here last year. Uh, because somebody gave us property in Mexico to build homes on. They said, hey, we want to give you a lot. They said, uh, we have a lot you can build a house on for, for kids. And I said, okay. They called me back two weeks later. They said, actually, I have another lot down the hill. We want to give that to you too so you can uh, so you can build another home there. Then they called me back a week later and they said, hey, actually, I've got a 50-acre ranch and I want to give you a piece of land on that ranch to build offices and a church for Thrive. Um, and, and so we want to give that to you too. Now, I say that, and that sounds crazy, but for two or three years prior, I had been praying and believing God, and, and I had other nations on my heart. I knew we were supposed to go into other nations. I just didn't know where. And so uh, this, the week before last, I was in Miami uh, speaking in another church, and, and uh, I had an old friend there, actually a, a friend of my parents, and he knew me when I was like two in Washington State, and he had moved to Florida, and we hadn't talked in all these years, and, and not that we talked when I was two, but, uh, but he remembered me, and he was like, I love what you're doing, let's meet up, so he took me to breakfast, and he said, Jeremy, he said, I'm Peruvian, and I own property in Peru, 
and, and uh, I'm going to give you property so you can build four homes or so and build a wall around it. I'm going to help you build it, and I'm going to help you raise the money to sustain it. Yeah, amen. We got done with that meeting, and another guy wanted to meet with me who, has, who owns an island and part of the airport in Belize. And he said, man, we've got a huge problem here. I want to I find some property that I can give to you so we can build homes in Belize and see the city transformed. He wants to start a community center and a horse ranch, all kinds of cool stuff. So here's the thing. God's opening a door, but I need help. I need partners. And, and so I would ask you to consider, prayerfully consider partnering with us. Every partner is, it helps tremendously. Maybe you can do 5, 10, 50. I don't know what you can do. And I don't really want to talk about money that much. But if you do sign up today for $35 or more, I'm going to give you a free t-shirt back there. And I would love to meet you back there. And um, Anyways, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to come and share with you a little bit today. Uh, I love you guys. Even if I don't know you, I still love you. And I love Pastor Muta and Christine and Sarah. And uh, I, I love Relevant Church. It's uh, I go to Relevant in Riverside. And um, it's just such a, a relaxing time to be able to come here and say hi and hanging out the other day at you guys' house and eating that, bar- that barbecue sauce dog. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, you're anointed, brother. And eating bear. What did we have? Bear and deer. I, I'm a li- I liked it. It was really good. Next week, I'm going to be with uh, Pastor Robert and uh, up there. But anyways, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Muta. I love you guys so much. And and I'd love to meet you back there at table. Or if you're on social media, please connect with us. And, and I think we'll probably plan a trip here one of these days and do a church trip and uh, come hang out in Thailand. Or maybe we'll do Thailand, Mexico, Belize, and Peru. But real quick, real quick. So I know I keep on saying this. So I just have a couple pictures. Can I show you a couple pictures of, of my family now? This is a picture of my wife, Rockalina. I call her Kimmy, myself, before we, we were married. And then there's one more of, of our wedding day, I think. And that's our two girls, our nine-year-old and our 16-year-old. I told them both I'm going to send them to military school as soon as we got married. Oh, I'm just joking. I told them that, but I was just joking. And uh, so that was our wedding day. And then I have a son, a four-year-old son in Thailand who I'm working on getting to America. And uh, if you shoot, that's uh, my son Gideon. So that was the last time. Every time I go to Thailand, we just, we spend time with each other. I call him every week and... And, uh, and he's an amazing blessing, uh, my number one son. And I, is there one more picture up there? Is that it? Okay, that was it. And uh, so anyways, thank you guys so much. I love you guys. Pastor Ruta, thank you. You know, um, that resonated with me about speaking to mountains or climbing them. And through life, you will always encounter a mountain. It's guaranteed. If you've never encountered a mountain yet, just wait. You're going to meet one. And for some people, the greatest mountain that they will ever encounter is the mountain of belief. That moment when you have to say, I've heard about people talk about God. I've heard about people talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if I admit, I don't really have one. I don't even know what that means. 
it sounds good and these people seem happy and they seem like they've got a sense of joy about them, like almost like they got themselves together. But anyone who tells you that they've got it together will let you know that the only reason that we have half of it together is because of Jesus Christ and his, li- and his work in our lives. And there may be somebody here who may be wrestling with that mountain. That God is saying, hey, listen, I'm real. I want you to do two things. I want you to speak to me. But then I want you to climb on this mountain belief and just start your journey. And there's going to be times on this journey where you're going to feel like you're losing breath and you don't understand, how am I going to get to the next place? How am I going to get to the top of the mountain? Mountain God, I don't really understand who you are or how you are or how I'm in this situation. But I believe in a big God who's willing to condescend himself by sending his son to this earth to live a sinless life, a life that we couldn't live. Anybody here is perfect? Good, because at this church we say no perfect people allowed because none of us are perfect. But we're on the journey on that mountain, that mountain of faith. And what I've seen is this, this journey is best walked with people. And so you've got a group of people in this church right now who are willing to, to love on you and surround themselves around you and say, we, we encourage you. In fact, we dare you to speak to that mountain of faith and say, Jesus, I choose to believe today. And I'm going to start my journey. And I hope you help me get from point A to point B to point C until I get to meet you face to face. Because that's what our promise has been given. Our promise is that we will meet Jesus face to face. That we will spend eternity with him if we stay on the journey. So I just want to give an opportunity for somebody today. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Is that your mountain of faith? Is that your mountain that's in front of you? And if that mountain is there today, if you're willing to start your journey, just wherever you are, all of us are at different places of belief, different places of trust. You may not know nothing about nothing about Jesus. Or maybe you've heard about Jesus and been around church all your life. But today you're saying, I really want to start a real journey up the mountain. If you're in here, wherever you're at, I just want you to slip your hand up and slip it right back down. I see your hand. I see yours. God wants to do something special in your life. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to let you know that he will walk with you on the journey. And you've got a group of people who want to walk along the journey with you. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.